Hello, you real housewives of spiritual awakening. Welcome back to another episode of The Spiritual Gaze. I am one of your hosts, Angel. And I'm your other host, Brandon. And this is our twice-monthly podcast dedicated to exploring the wide reaches of spirituality without pretending that it all makes sense. Exploring, not exploiting. No, we're not an Instagram ad that's going to sell you some necklace of the moon tarot card that's only 10 karat gold plated and it's going to tarnish the first time you take it into the pool. That's not who we are. Oh, so we're not putting those on sale? No. Oh, okay. Well, I wish you would discuss these things with me. Before we'd spent hundreds of thousands of dollars making up boxes of tarot card necklaces. I worked very hard on making those strong relationships that help bring those to fruition. Yeah, like with all the people at Shine. Have you seen that? (laughs) How Shine like hired these like six Instagram influencers to like go on an all paid expenses tour to China to like see their factories where they like put on a show for them, like making it look like they were really good working conditions and... And these Instagram influencers bought it, hook, line, and sinker. Oh my God, was one of them Sheree Whitfield? No, no. Sheree, Sheree knows better. I don't think she does, actually. Um, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but we're not here to make this about Sheree. Um, no, but I had not seen that. I'll have to take a look at that. Yeah, it's pretty disturbing. Just um, the lack of like critical thinking. I just want to say, yeah. if you're listening to this podcast... You obviously have some powers of critical thinking, and I just want to applaud you. Right. Because I feel like critical thinking is something that's really like just gone by the wayside in the modern era. Yeah, I think so too. So, well, don't you think like the deeper we have fallen into technology and the internet, the more we've allowed critical thinking to fall away? Yeah, well, we've allowed the machines to think for us. Yes. I agree to that. I was getting a uh, car wash yesterday. Oh. And the man who was checking me out uh, gave me my total. And I pulled out a card and he was like, okay, well, that'll be uh, $4. I have to add $4 to that. And I was like, for what? He was like, for the machine. And I was like, huh? And I was like, okay, well, what if I pay with like a debit card? He's like, yeah, no. Any... A card that you use, uh, I have to give $4 to the machine. And I was like, well, the machines have gotten enough of my money. Also, what is the machine going to spend it on? I don't know. Virtual clothes <laughs> in the metaverse? I was like, are the sh- machines really that expensive? The machine is going to the virtual Met Ball and needs a virtual Vivian Westwood. <laughs> totally. I mean, look, I remember working retail back in the day and all of those things and like how even back then... You had to like pay companies, I guess, I think to like rent the machines or there was something about like the credit card machines where you had to like pay extra. Yeah. So you would like add something on. But we never did that actually back then. Well, I guess that's people now it's just a any it's just the economy for the machine. It's a well, machine economy. Well, you just have to pay the person that takes your payments like PayPal rakes us over the fucking coals every time we make a sale. No, I know. But we don't say like, that'll be $4 extra for the PayPal. Maybe we should. Maybe we should learn a lesson from that (laughs) car wash man. (laughs) Yes. So moving forward, all of our offerings will um, go up $3.85. For the machine. For the machine. (laughs) Or else the machine will hurt us. I, I do have to say, I have felt quite a relief personally with Pluto having backed out of Aquarius and into Capricorn. 
Yeah. I don't know if you felt that relief, but it does feel like time has slowed down a little bit. I feel like reality is reasserting itself in its old familiar ways and I'm I'm grateful for it. Yeah, I would agree to that. I do feel a little bit more like grounded in the Pluto Capricorn versus that crazy Pluto Aquarius time where I was just like losing my mind. Girl, it's going to be a wild 20 plus years. I'm just curious to see what happens in the window between the zero and the three degrees for myself, because that's like the end of my ninth house to my midheaven. So I feel like I have to probably just really get in touch with and comfortable with that energy. You know, like I have to really like ground myself in the foundation of who I am so that I can approach it in a really strong way because it's going to be then manifesting as my purpose onto the world yeah wow well it's gonna be a wild this is gonna be wild because you know my jupiter is two degrees of aquarius so we're about to blow shit up and my ascendant is one degrees of aries so pluto's gonna sextile it and my pluto is four degrees of scorpio so then pluto's gonna square my pluto wow i know i'm not i'm not looking forward to it but wow we're gonna be a power couple yeah what are we gonna be doing i don't know okay we're gonna be (laughs) selling tarot card necklaces yeah exploiting the fuck out of all our gifts yes let's do that yeah quaint i'm here for it sorry should we introduce ourselves (laughs) we've really gone off the rails we have i'm angel lopez hello i am just a human in the world, mm. floating in space, yet tethered to this gorgeous piece of rock we call Earth. Mm. <laughs> That's it? That's what you're giving today? Uh, I also uh, have Uranus on my ascendant as Correct. of just a few hours ago. So I'm I'm really just kind of giving, like, I'm giving all quirks. I'm And I'm loving it, you know, as an Aquarius. It's very appealing to me. Well, here you are. Soak it up. Need a biscuit? Who are you? (laughs) (laughs) Angel just made like very intense eye contact with me from across the spirit room for just like a prolonged period of time. Just trying to keep this moving. Uh, I am Brandon Alter. I am a non-binary goddess i am a queer spirit healer i am a tarot reader an astrologer i am a writer a performer a quixotic adventurer throughout the timelines that we call existence beautiful thank you you really set the bar high i mean did i I thought so. Well, thank you. Should we do a little check-in? Yeah. Why don't you start, you little Uranian Torian? Uh, <laughs> I know, right? Mm. What a strange combo. It's a great combo. To have Uranus uh, on a Taurus ascendant. But I guess I am just uh, embodying that right now. Uh, quick astrology lesson. Uranus is the rebel, the revolutionary, the... Uh, Proud freak. Um, The great liberator. Yeah. The weirdo. We are the weirdos, mister. Um, I'll never forget the time we were like brought in to lead 
a little like discussion for a group of filmmakers. Do you remember this no, years I ago? It. No, I so it. years ago, yeah, we were invited and to just kind of come in and speak about spirituality to these filmmakers and uh, through uh, one of our students. This was like three years ago, I want to say. And um, I, I just literally remember, have no recollection of this. Well, let me remind you. So we did this all on Zoom. Um, it was just like deep in the Zoom age so it might just all have felt like a blur <laughs> as those first six months yeah. of 2020 felt um, zoom timeline yeah but um but basically i remember talking about uranus and talking about how it was uh, important to like own your weirdo you know and this one guy like really like pushed back on that and was like, well, that's kind of like a negative word and you have to be aware of that for some people. And I was like, shut up weirdo. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but no, I was just like, I understand that perspective on it. And I certainly was called a weirdo when I was younger and it did feel like it was a negative, uh, word hurled at me but uh this is all about rec reclaiming and reclaiming these words and using them as a uh tool of power and the guy didn't really like vibe that response but ever since then i have just felt even more empowered to feel the energy of being a weirdo and enjoying that so i think that this is like a full circle moment for me, this Uranus uh, on my ascendant of just um, owning the weirdo and kind of moving through the world as such. And I do feel a little like weird in general right now. I do feel like just off um, axis of your life. <laughs> that's a good way of putting it. But I don't know if I'm like, I don't know if that's it actually. I feel like I'm off the axis of everyone else's reality. And like, I'm actually like in my own axis. And I think I have felt really uncomfortable in that. And I'm just now getting comfortable being in my own orbit, you know, and feeling really like okay with the fact that like oh I don't work like a normal in quotes you know day job or I don't like subscribe to certain rules and I remember in talking to my acupuncturist about this and feeling really uncomfortable and saying like oh yeah I just feel like so detached from all of like the again quote-unquote normal things and he was like well you're kind of living like the queer life <laughs> he's like you're like really being queer in it's like most beautiful and like real form it was like that's like what being queer is all about is like stepping outside of societal norms and structures and labels and identities and just kind of like forging one for yourself and I think I've just been like so uncomfortable in ways that I didn't understand about that. And now I feel like I'm much more like just comfortable in my skin and not judging myself based off like, oh, but I should be, you know, earning money in a way that is more structured and this and like 
I think I was just feeling so nervous and anxious about feeling like floating. And now I'm like getting more comfortable in the stream, you know? The airstream? In the airstream. Where you're floating. <laughs> the jet stream. I'm, the jet stream where I'm floating. Um, and I think that's also just been like a response to everything that's gone on in the last few months, last few years, all the loss, all the change. Um, just learning how to get comfortable living. And I've talked about that in here before too, like my discomfort around like living in a body. And I'm actually like trying to be in that space too. I'm actually going for my first physical therapy session today, which I'm really excited about uh, just because it's like something I've been advocating for for the last like three months ever since I had that fall or I had that accident and hurt myself and have been unable to really like exercise and work out and going three months without like my usual structured exercise regimen and routine has also been a big mind fuck and a big body fuck for me um but I feel in a way like I have like pushed through all the like negative body image stuff that came with that and the uncomfortable emotions that came with all of that and I feel like I'm going to engage in this new chapter of engaging with my body uh, from a really good place so I'm looking forward to that and seeing what that brings like I miss being really active in my body so I'm excited for that as well and just doing it differently like what does my body need now and want now well that feels very Uranus and Taurus mm-hmm oh totally you're right exactly so we shall see well I'm excited for you I'm excited for your physical therapy I'm excited for your Six million dollar person era. My six million dollar person era. Wasn't that the thing? Like the six million dollar man? Oh. Wasn't that like an old timey show where they like they like built him like better than before? Was he the six million dollar man? Wasn't it six million dollar man? <laughs> was it a, was it just a million dollar man? I don't remember. I adjusted for inflation. Oh, okay. Yeah, I actually don't remember. I mean, I remember vaguely like a show of that nature, but I don't remember. Was he like a hybrid? Was he like half human, half like robot? I don't know. Was he married to the bionic woman? I have no idea. I don't either. Was the bionic woman a hybrid? Was the bionic woman... A woman? Hmm. Curious. Discuss. Hmm. All right, so that's me. It's gorgeous. I don't know if I really said anything of... No, you said a lot. People always love your check-ins. They love them much more than mine. So it's true. Who said that? People. Lori Lou. (laughs) Dang. Putting Lori on. No, a lot of people. A lot of people really enjoy your check-ins because of the vulnerability. And you're like an every every person. People can really relate to you. So I'm simple is what you're saying. Yeah, honey. That's what I'm saying. I'm saying you're simple. Is that why you married me? Yeah, because you're simple. Mm. You are very complicated. Good, sir. 
And don't you forget it. I can't. How could I? You better feed this beast. Oh. Yeah. Can my check-in just be talking about the new Petrus album? Oh, that might be why people tune out. But <laughs> go for it. <laughs> just kidding it's a very um, very enjoyable album yeah it's definitely brought me some some life uh, but tell us vulnerably oh, where you sit oh jesus uh i have to like keep <laughs> reminding myself that i am grieving I like wish i could take a picture of you right of now. me right now just like in distress you've already taken one deeply unflattering picture of me today. All right, I took it. Now you're now you've taken a second. I will share this so yeah. everyone can see why. But I'm sorry. Please go on. You know, I like had a whole breakdown yesterday about noche, and I realized it hasn't even been three full months. And there are like days where there's like a new normal that kicks in, and then there are moments where I realize the size of the loss, and it's just interesting having these like dueling griefs and I don't know if they're dueling. I don't know if they like are against each other, but it does sometimes feel like I have to swing from one to the other. Mm -hmm. So last weekend was the one year anniversary of my mom's passing and it was actually like a, a beautiful day. Kept myself very busy, which tends to be my MO for hard days is to schedule them. And to then go shopping. This is my MO for grief. <laughs> Be busy and spend money. But then I got sick. I got this like really weird sore throat thing. Kind of like what Angel had a couple of weeks ago. And it wasn't COVID. And I didn't have a fever. But it was just like knives in my throat. And so I was just kind of like down for the count. And I guess it was a time for just like a lot of emotional processing. And just like continually having to remind myself that like it's okay to pull back it's okay to be gentle with myself that i am still in some ways like on a descent like deeper into the grief of losing noche and even in some ways like of losing my mom it's just it's hard for me to even fathom sometimes how much i have lost that we have lost and so there's so many things that just like stay the same in the world you know like everything is kind of on a schedule so it's easy to like plug in to that stuff and then you wonder like why you feel funky and I have to remind myself like oh yeah and sometimes I don't even remind myself sometimes I just like get triggered by like something random like last night I was just like on Instagram and a friend posted like an old dog in like a baby stroller and was like the next time you like judge somebody pushing their dog in a stroller think about the fact that maybe like that dog is like really old and I just lost mm -hmm. it just lost it so that's where I am and then I like fucking tweaked my neck, drying my hair, coming out of the shower. So just like a lot of throat chakra stuff, clearly. And uh, I don't know, like dealing like with like a deeper layer of gender exploration and just like starting to get a little bit more frustrated with people not being able to use like my preferred they, them pronouns and struggling with when to make a stink about it and remind people and when to just like let it pass and trying to like push myself into like more freedom for myself but it's hard because sometimes I just feel so isolated just like in this house on this little hill and I, I'm sure a lot of people feel isolated because the only ways we really engage now are virtually which isn't like false it's just not the fullness of coming together like we watched that show jury duty 
which if you haven't watched it, I highly recommend. It's basically one person thinks they're in like a real trial that a documentary is being filmed about, but everyone's actually an actor. And then it's revealed at the end. But what you realize is, even though like it would probably be pretty traumatic to be sequestered in like a strange hotel with like 11 strangers being on a jury, there's something really nourishing about being with people so much all the time and like a sense of community that we just don't have anymore. Like we did used to live in like little villages. Like we as human beings are not isolated creatures. We're not supposed to be, you know, I look outside and I see like the bunny families and the squirrel families and the lizard families and they all just like hang out together. And I guess maybe I'm feeling that even more because like it used to be like you, me and Noche, like that felt like a family. And it's not that you and I don't feel like a family. It's just like, there's just two of us, you know, like that's a, it's like the alpacas when we went to this alpaca farm and it's my dream to have an alpaca farm. And I asked, how many do you need? And she said, well, they're pack animals. So you need a couple. Like if you only have two, they're kind of always jockeying for like alpha or even if one is alpha and one's beta, it's just like it doesn't they don't do well in that dynamic. So you need at least three, but really four. Like you just need more for them. And I'm like, maybe we're not unlike alpacas. Like maybe we are all pack animals, except for like the rare, like 100 percent introvert among us. So I don't know. That's that's what's going on. I've had a lot of interesting thoughts around all of that well we haven't discussed this but are you advocating for like a quapple <laughs> is that when you're no like, not you like a sexual to, relationship are you trying to lure the alpacas like are not fucking each other couple in um maybe they're fucking each other i don't know no i just mean like especially as an aquarius but i think this is just like a human trait like i just like miss people being with like more people all the time you know it's just nice it's nourishing no i get it well that's why i had uh said remember how i uh had heard that interview with jake shears and he was talking about how he became friendly with jane fonda and how they really became friendly because she was hosting these like monthly parties parties at her house with like I think he said like 15 to 20 people and they were always kind of like just a unique collection of her friends. And he was just saying how amazing it was because you would like be in space with people that you don't normally talk to, but you would get to spend these like fun, lovely nights just like chatting and connecting with people who are like really out of your normal sphere of living. Yeah. Um, community we call yeah. that we call that community <laughs> well you know i think it's challenging too because we've been in this neighborhood not too long and we haven't really also like connected even like in our old neighborhood we weren't like friends with a lot of our neighbors but we had a lot of characters oh my god like house dress house dress kirby oh my god kirby the queens on the hill like there were just people who, who were, were the queens on the hill the queens on the hill would walk noche by. They were like always watering their lawn, very chatty, very smiley. I don't think I knew the queens. I on think the it hill. was because you didn't do the f- early walks. Yeah, that tracks. That I did. Always invited me in. Very handsy. Okay, enough. Maybe they're interested in a couple. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, what's interesting is. Our deep dive this episode is going to be all about the seventh house mm-hmm. and not unlike the way all of the other house episodes have gone, we are 
like unconsciously talking about seventh house issues, which is so interesting because the seventh house is, it's about one-on-one relationships, but it's just, it's the most densely peopled house. It's like where you meet the world. So it's where you like, where you step out of the door essentially into the world. Yeah. So we will get to that later. Yes. But first let's head into this episode's Cosmic Update. I feel it and I know. All right, so what's happening in the heavens, honey? Well, oh, Padam. Uh huh. Uh huh. The planet Padam is moving into the sign moving of Padam. Into Padam. Sextiling Padam. Padam. Um, so, I mean, it is cancer season. Mm-hmm. We're deep in cancer season. We are. Are we in the, are we still in the first decade of cancer season or have we moved into the deeper waters? We have moved into the deeper waters, I believe. Girl, I feel but like. But I'm, I'm wrong, actually. We have. <laughs> <laughs> so every yeah. sign has three decades, y'all. Every sign is 30 degrees and it's separated into 10 degrees, three chunks of 10 degrees. And so each of those 10 degree chunks have a different flavor. So the first decan of cancer is just cancer, but the second decan of cancer has a Scorpio twist. And then the third decan of cancer has that Pisces tang. So yeah, you're right. We're still just in cancer, cancer. Yes, Pisces. Uh, what'd you say? Pisces tang? A Pisces tang. Yeah. Uh, um, not to be confused with a Pisces taint. No. Um, Which has that Pisces tang. <laughs> Well, yeah, it actually is going to enter that second decan uh, right before this Capricorn full moon that will be coming up on July 3rd. That's going to be at 11 degrees Capricorn. Cancer polarity. Got it. Exactly. Yeah. And that's a good looking full moon, honestly. Gorgeous. I mean, stunning. A stunning, stunning Heidi Klum full moon, we call her. Is that what we call her? It is now. Okay. Um, the clue moon. <laughs> the clue moon. Happy clue moon to you, everybody. <laughs> Can we do, we need to do like a picture with Heidi in the full moon now. I don't know why we're honoring Heidi Klum. You know why? Because somebody should. They just left her at Amazon on that dang making the cut show to fester on her own. She deserves better. Her and Tim. Um <laughs> I wish they would bring them back as at least like guest judges on the new project runway. They can't. I know. They can't. Also, that would just be like uncomfortable for everyone. It's just like, why give me a taste when all it's going to make me do is want the whole meal? I know. Could you imagine if they brought like Michael Kors, Heidi, and Tim all back as just like the judges panel with Nina? People would die. This is like a dream. This is like a dream of dreams. (sighs) It's never going to happen. Okay. So, yeah, this. Full moon is going to, yeah, really elevate cancer season. It's actually going to be just three degrees away from Mercury in cancer as well. So that sun and that uh, Mercury will have a conjunction. And, you know, full moons are all about release. Capricorn is all about the ambitions, the long-term goals. I really like um, you know, when I see oppositions, I always talk about integrations, you know, I'm really integrating these. So to me, it's really like, how do we integrate our heart, our mind, 
you know, more deeply connect, you know, to, how do we integrate those into deeper connection with our ambitions, with our goals, and really releasing any like emotional or mental hangups we have that are keeping us from those ambitions and goals. And some of them are really just outdated ambitions, outdated goals. Yeah, what comes to mind for me is how can we feel at home in our ambition? Well, how? Well, I think by making sure that the things you're actually going after are things that you are fully aligned with. Bingo. And I do believe that we have this idea that ambition is just what you want to achieve in like the public sector. Like Mm -hmm. what sort of money do you want to make? What sort of status do you want to achieve? But that's not, that's a very limited understanding of ambition. Like you can have spiritual ambition. You can have community ambition. You can have ecological ambition. Yeah. And so this might be a time to just take stock of what ambitions do you really want to commit to because you feel good in honoring them. Like I always used to say, like if you couldn't say out loud what it is that you want, then you weren't ready to receive it. And so if you are struggling to say out loud what it is that you want to achieve, maybe part of that is just like imposter syndrome and you don't feel like it's possible for you. But maybe part of that is that like you don't actually want it. Like that's not actually the thing for you. Right, right. Yeah, so why are you like fighting to grasp onto this thing that ultimately isn't really what you want to be reaching onto anyway. Correct. Um, And Jupiter is involved in this because Jupiter will be a nine degrees Taurus and Saturn's involved because it will be at seven degrees Pisces. And Saturn also rules this moon because it is the Capricorn full moon. Exactly. So I remember when looking at the chart, what I really liked was that if Saturn's the one kind of calling the shot, Saturn is a little out of their depth in Pisces because there's no way to create boundaries and containers in the psychic soup of Pisces. But with that sextile to Jupiter in Taurus, there's help available. It's almost like Saturn's like, hey, Jupiter, like, can you help me out? Can you like anchor me a little bit? And Jupiter's like, of course, I've never been more anchored here in Taurus. Hey, Jupiter, nothing's been the same. It's a Tori Amos song. Oh, okay. Going to see Tori Amos in a few weeks. Can't wait. Um... And so they're all sextiles and trines to each other, uh, Saturn and Jupiter. So it's all very supportive. Yeah. A lot of grace is available. Yeah. Now we will have some square energy in the sky, which I will know about firsthand because of this Uranus and Taurus, 21 degrees. Um, There will be a square to the Venus-Mars conjunction, which is at 22 and 25 of Leo. Um, But I think that's just kind of like an additional flair to all of this. I think those are, I mean, you're going to feel the energy of that. Maybe some people, you know, challenging your authentic nature that you're growing more into you know you want to go one direction this feels more in line with who you are now and some people are like but wait what about me or what about this what about that you know like asserting their individuality in your world trying to bring main character energy to your story yeah and you're like get out of here all about eve yeah this is my movie yeah bitch this is my limited series get out but uh, in all, a really supportive time. But important to note that 
that Venus, that Mars in Leo, because there is a strong Leo energy going on with this cancer season. And we're going to be feeling that Venus in Leo energy through October uh, because that retrograde is going to happen. Uh, Now, we're not going to see the retrograde until July 22nd. So we still have some time, but we're in that the shadow period of it. So it does feel like important to pay attention to the people who are jockeying for your attention, who are showing up in your life, um, relationship stuff that is coming up. The themes are being laid into place for the rest of this summer and the beginnings of, well, really the first half of the fall. Um, Again, all the way, or the spring, depending on where you are in the world, because we know we have people in the Southern Hemisphere here. So, um, hi, gorgeous. Hi. Hi, gorgeous, darling. How's so, the winter going for you, Dandy? <laughs> Is it all right? I'm s- I hope it's not too cold, darling. I know. Um, 2028. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we'll be coming to Australia. Australia, we've decided. We're coming in 2028. In 2028, because we want to see the total solar eclipse from the gorgeous shores of Australia. Yes. So prep prep for us now. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Build coming. us some sort of temple. Five that's five years from now. Is yeah, that darling. silly? No. It, no it, like it's it's what knowing. the eclipse chases do, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Well we wanted there is one next year, but we're not gonna be able to we're not gonna be together for it. So it's just too much. It's too challenging for us to try and figure it out. So yeah. um we figured, oh, that one seems nice. And that's a place we've always wanted to go. And we're going to need five years to save up for that trip. <laughs> so it's perfect. Honestly, just to like prepare my nervous system for that flight. <laughs> oh, we'll knock you out. Oh, okay. Thanks. Yeah, you'll be fine. Okay. Now, we also just recently uh, settled into a Saturn retrograde. And we have a Neptune retrograde happening. Now, these are retrogrades that occur every year. All the time. Just note, though, if you have these natally retrograde, both Saturn and Neptune, then you will feel them more. Um, Particularly, I think that Saturn retrograde, you know, whereas most people's work responsibilities can slow down, those retrograde folks tend to pick up. So just be aware that you may have in the last, uh, you know, week or so, maybe felt a bit more of a nudge to get busy, you may have Saturn retrograde in your chart. I have Saturn retrograde in my chart, so she getting busy. Oh, yeah. The mm-hmm. work is starting to work for you? I mean, she's trying. <laughs> <laughs> Fighting it with all my might. Can I add one last piece to this cosmic update? Yeah, please. I just want to remind everybody that cancer season is a very changeable season because we're answering to the moon and the moon changes signs every two and a half days. And so the sun is in cancer and Mercury is in cancer, which means that our communication styles and even the way that we're like thinking or contextualizing things for ourselves 
is very changeable, but also those planets in Leo, Mars and Venus, they answer to the sun who is in Cancer. So they are also in some ways honorary Cancerian planets that are also changing. But because they are in Leo, they're also quite dramatic, which means that you're getting a lot of different styles of drama that are happening. And so I always feel like the moons during Cancer season are in some ways the most impactful moons of the year yeah. because everybody has to pay attention to them. And of course, like we pay attention to the full moon and the new moon whenever it shows up, but especially in Cancer season, because we have no choice but to direct the sun's attention towards the moon. It's like the sun is not always subservient to the moon, but in Cancer season it is. And so I just feel like with this full moon in Capricorn, because it is well aspected, and later on when we get the new moon in Cancer, which is also pretty well aspected, these are really good moons to just utilize however makes sense for you, but to ritualize. And then also to just, just be aware that everybody's under the influence of this. And so if people are very like moody or changeable, or if like you have a great conversation with someone one day and a terrible conversation with that same person three days later, what's going on is just the moon is changing. And it's a great practice for everybody just to start to pay attention to where the moon is. Preach. That's my cancer season PSA. So yeah, we uh, have some other stuff going on later on in July, but we will get into that later at our next one. And we'll actually really uh, get into it on July 11th when we do part two of our astrology of 2023 workshop. Lovely number of you had signed up for that and met with us back in December, I believe it was, um, where we talked about the first six months of the year. And uh, we're all going to gather on July 11th to do part two of that, which we're very yeah. excited about. So if you had signed up and joined us in December, uh, you don't got to do out. nothing. Yeah, You're but keep an, eye link. <laughs> keep an eye out for an email that will um, detail that. But if you didn't sign up, uh, but you s- just want to join us for this second half. Shoot us an email. We'll hook you up. Exactly. We'll give you like a discounted price on the whole thing and. Yeah, just email us at the spiritual gaze plus a three dollar and eighty five cent surcharge for the machine. No, uh, the spiritual gaze at gmail dot com. All right, y'all. Well, I think uh, we gave you what you needed for now. Let's head into this episode's deep, deep dive. All right, so here we are. We've arrived part seven in our 12-part series on the houses. How did we get here? Also classically known as the places. So we've arrived to the seventh place, which is also known as the setting place because this is the place where the sun sets. So it is directly opposite the ascendant where the sun rises, where the planets rise. They separate from the earth and they move into the sky. And in the seventh house, we see the planets start to merge and they begin their descent into the underworld. The descendant. The descendant. Yes, this is what we know as the descendant, which is directly opposite your ascendant, your rising and your setting places. So you'll recall that there are the angular houses, the first house, the fourth house, the seventh house, the tenth house. And these are the, they're the hotspots, you know, they are, what is it called? Where like two tectonic plates come together. It's not called like a convergence, but 
A fault, the fault line. line. Oh, that's called a fault line. These are like the fault lines of your chart. This is like where the action happens. So we really want to pay mm, attention to was. what's happening in the first, the fourth, the seventh, and the tenth houses. Because if you have any plans there natally, they are very apparent. They are, they are big players in your life. But the seventh house is unusual in the sense that it begins our journey up into the upper hemisphere of the chart. So those first six places, they really are about you and maybe about some of the influences in your immediate world. You know, we talked last week or last time we did this uh, series about the sixth house and about your work and maybe your employees. And that's still your sphere of influence. But once we get into the seventh house, we are now moving beyond oneself. We are meeting other people. As Angel said earlier in the episode, we are entering out into the world. So classically, the seventh house is known as the house of relationship. And you can understand that just in the sense that if the ascendant is you and what you bring to the table, then the descendant is what opposes you. It's what you're attracted to. It's also what you can't help but attract. There's this sense of like opposites and that dynamic tension between them that the seventh house represents. And then the seventh house also isn't just like romantic relationships. It isn't just like sexual intimacy. We'll get into that more in the eighth house. But it's any real deep one-on-one relationship that you have. And this can be friendships. This can be mentorships. Um, This can really be the way in which you approach relationship in the first place. It's your style of partnering. And the seventh house gives us an understanding of that. I like the quick cheat, too, of the descendant being what we're attracted to correct yeah because if the ascendant is the energy we're giving off that attracts others yeah you can look to the sign on that rules your seventh house as just uh thematic ideas of what you like yeah well there's this classic idea that opposites attract and we can capitalize that here in astrology because we know that you know you're going to have opposite signs of the same polarity on the ascendant and the descendant And so sometimes what we need in a partner are those aspects of ourself that we have difficulty in bringing forwards. And so we bring somebody in that can help us with that to some extent. Mm -hmm. So definitely looking to any planets that you might have in the seventh house, but also just looking at the sign who rules your seventh house will give you an understanding of how you naturally approach relationship and what you're attracted to and what you can't help but attract. And you can look to planets in there to give you a sense of like a very specific archetypal sense, right? Of partners that you can have in your life. Yeah, totally. It's a place of merging. I mean, that's really what good relationship is all about, right? It's about compromise. It's about coming together. And that's what the planets do. Like if you are sitting outside watching the sunset, you notice that the earth and the sky, they merge together as the lights go out. So that's what we do in relationship. Yeah. We merge together when the lights go out. <laughs> Ooh, hey. But it is like an emergence area too, right? Oh. Like in the way that the first house is where we emerge, you know, just like into the into our identity. Mm-hmm. It feels like we emerge into a deeper sense of our identity in the seventh house because who we are is reflected back at us based off our relationships. And we then can learn we need to course correct certain aspects of our identity because when presented to someone else, they might be like, uh, you can't talk to me that way. Yeah, there's something in the seventh house which 
encourages the ability to be found by the world. It's very easy in those first six places to remain hidden to some extent or just insulated. And once you move into the seventh house and then into the subsequent houses that remain, you are more vulnerable. You are not fully in control anymore because you've entered into a whole realm that at sometimes is indifferent and, and even sometimes is openly antagonistic towards you. Because the thing is, is that seventh house also can sometimes be considered a place of open enemies too, which I think is really interesting. And this is classical astrology. Hidden enemies would be in the sixth and the twelfth. But, you know, your arch nemesis is very much in the seventh house. And that's because you have a deep relationship with that arch nemesis. Do you have an arch nemesis? I used to, but <laughs> I don't know. Not really anymore. Yeah, I I've had to let it go. I wouldn't, cons- knowing you as deeply as I do, I don't feel like you have anyone who's like arch nemesis energy. Well, it was uh, well, Gwyneth Paltrow. It was mm, Gwyneth Paltrow for a really long time. And then... There are some people in our life who definitely have an arch nemesis energy with you. Oh, yeah. I know exactly who you're thinking about. So... Yeah. You do have some open enemies. Do I have open enemies knowing me? No, because Scorpio rules your descendant, so all of your shit's hidden as fuck. <laughs> but Libra rules mine. So even with my arch nemesis, it's very nice. They're We're all your very friends. very nice. To, oh, yes. Oh, yes. I love you so much. But also, you, I will destroy you. Wow. Well, if you're one of Brandon's friends, you just got a real sip of tea. Oh, if you're one of my friends, you know you've probably already been destroyed and built back up better than ever. Wow. If you're one of their friends who listens to this, you are just an open friend, I'm sure. Yeah, no, it's true. It's the ones who don't who really. Anyhow, where were we? Uh, seventh house, open enemies, <laughs> deep friends. Deep friends. Lovers. Future couple members. Correct. All right, so just to break it down for yourself, let's dive into some specifics. Because I do feel like, you know, some of the houses are harder to wrap your head around. The seventh house is not one of them. It's it's very kind of simple and easy. And most people tend to remember this one pretty easily because it's like, oh, right. It's the house of relationship. Basic. These, if these are the people that are populating your life. So if you have planets in there, then you are probably going to be attracted to people that either represent those planets or you're going to be attracted to like multiple people that represent different qualities, you know? Right. But I do think important to note that it is those like close interpersonal relationships, you know, to pay attention to that. Like your larger kind of circle of friends, they live in a house we haven't talked about. Yet. Yeah. They're in the 11th place and we'll get to that. Yeah. We'll get there. But it is like the people who are really like. It's your besties, bitch. Exactly. Your deep connectors. Yeah. It's your besties. But also like if you have a relationship with a celebrity. If you have like a, and I don't mean like they, they don't know who you are, but if it's like a deep relationship, mm-hmm. that's also seventh house. Interesting. Yeah. So like Cher is in your seventh house. Of course, because honey, it's Libra ruled. She's literally right behind you. Three versions yeah, of Yeah, she's her. also a Libra rising, right? So mm-hmm. so her rising opposes my, right? My yeah. Her rising opposes my descendant and vice versa. Yeah, yeah. I get it. So if you have sun in the seventh house... You are somebody who shines in relationships, but also you probably like a partner who takes up a lot of space. Like you're attracted to bright, shiny, 
gliceny people. Would you also say that these are people who are very independent in relationships because that son is like my own identity? It can be, but it also could be people that are very codependent in relationships because they need. <laughs> so the thing is, is that like right. the seventh house literally represents not you. I mean, it can represent your style of partnership, but it represents your partners. So if you have son in the seventh house, what that means is that you might in a low vibe way, feel very dependent on your partner's light to help you shine. You like over identify with your partner. Correct. Like, hi, I'm relationship person. Right. And if, uh, you know, you have Leo as the sign that rules your seventh house, you are also going to be attracted to people that give you that big personality because that means you're an Aquarius rising. So mm -hmm. you're more used to kind of like being a little aloof, being an observer, being a little bit more like unique and on the edges of things. You definitely like to like thrive on the periphery. And so you're going to be attracted to people that have no problem just like standing in the center of a room, opening up their mouth and singing. Right. But you may find yourself as that person too in the room and no one can touch you because you are in the greatest relationship with yourself. Yeah, that's also very possible. Yeah, I mean, seventh house sun people definitely, they shine in relationship. They are relationship people. And that doesn't necessarily mean like romantic relationships, but they need that intimacy in order to really let their light out. They're people who need people. You could say that. They are the luckiest people in the world. So I've heard. Mm -hmm. So what about a moon in the seventh? You love a moody bitch, honey. <laughs> You love somebody that you can just get under the covers with and watch TV till the cows come home. I mean, listen, moon in the seventh house people are also people who need people, but they maybe don't show their emotions to everyone out in the world. They're people that are a little bit more reserved, but like if you're one of their chosen people, then you get all of the tea, right? Mm -hmm. But it also would reflect... Because if we're moon in the seventh or if cancer rules your seventh, a very like fierce, protective and loyal stance to partnership. Yeah. Protective. Like, once you're in, you're in. Yeah. But we'll have that shell to have to penetrate through to get there. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, you're someone who really like loves just like emotion in relationships. Probably not compelled entirely by just like verbal sparring in relationships, unless maybe that moon's in Gemini or Virgo. But you need like real deep, emotional, vulnerable connection. Yeah, and just considering that if cancer rules your descendant, that means you're a Capricorn rising. So the face that you put off to the world is probably unemotional, but that doesn't mean that you're not deeply sensitive. And so it's in those very safe one-on-one -on -one relationships that you can let the walls down and let people feel you. Yeah, yeah. Mercury in the seventh. You love an intellectual. You're attracted to thought and charm and wit. And Mercury in the seventh people also want to talk about their relationships. Yeah, They're exactly. like big communicators. They want to have um, what used to be known as DTR, determine the relationship conversations. <laughs> I don't know if the kids still say that because that was said when I was a kid, so probably not. Yeah, probably not, honey. I'm sure DTR means something totally different. Oh, you're trying to figure one out. Down to rendezvous. Down to rebel. That puts Gemini. Or Virgo. Or Virgo on the seventh, perhaps. Yeah, as well, which again, or is comparable. Just, yeah. Like you're you're a chatty, 
rolling phone calls sort of person. Like you are attracted to conversation and intellectual qualities. You want to have people in your life that help you talk about the nature of your life. But I feel like there is like a lightness that comes with Mercury, right? It's not necessarily so like heavy and deep. It's like, let's also like have fun. Well, it is in Virgo, but in Gemini, it's lighter. (laughs) Right, right. But I think just like Mercury in general, right? Has a bit more of like a curious quality to it. Yeah, Um, yeah. Perhaps if that Mercury's in Scorpio in there, then yeah, it's different. But I feel like generally speaking, she's much more of a like, hey girl, hey. Yeah. A flirt for sure. Oh, yeah. All right, Venus in the seventh. Well, Venus in the seventh, you are attracted to a very different kind of thought because you love beauty. Yeah, but you also love money, honey. Yeah, so you might, you know, be a sugar baby. Yeah, so Venus (laughs) is the sign that rules over relationships. And when she's in the seventh house, she's definitely an idealized, romanticized version of relationship. Now, you could have Venus in Scorpio, which means it's like a romantic goth relationship <laughs> yeah. or like a dominatrix relationship. Hey. But there's something about Venus in the seventh that really beautifies the way that you relate to people. Or even if you have a Venus ruled sign, like I do, I've got Libra on the ascendant, or if you have Taurus on the ascendant. And so you are attracted to beauty. Yeah. And, and that's just, and and beauty is also attracted to you. Because that's the nature of the descendant. It's it's what you're pulling towards you. Yeah. But Venus is that relationship planet. So you are just very relationship oriented in general and you are really good at them. And you probably get into relationship early. Mm-hmm. Because um, it's like a comfort zone. Yeah. 100%. And ideally are like in a strong partnership at the end of the day because you have the planet of partnership in there. So you're someone who is looking for a good, solid partner. Yeah. Again, a gorgeous one, but yeah, no, it's true. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, as somebody who has Libra on my descendant and ruling my seventh house, I do attract a lot of Libras into my life. I like, I love Libra energy or people that exhibit Libra tendencies. Even you have North node in Libra. Mm -hmm. And these are people that want to like keep the peace and like beautify a situation. They're also an air sign. So they are good communicators, but they're Venus ruled communicators. And I am, I'm definitely attracted to people that know how to put themselves together and like know how to, uh, compose themselves. Right. Because that is very Libra, you know, like that's Venus in society. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you. You're welcome. I do think I've put myself together. Well, it's interesting, too, because you are a Taurus rising and my Libra descendant, you know, like Taurus and Libra. Those are the two signs that Venus rules. So it makes sense that I am attracted to you because I'm attracted to your Venusian qualities. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You just want me for my looks. Yeah. That's about it. (laughs) Mars. Oh, Mars on the seventh. Girl, you love to fight in relationship. <laughs> you like it spicy. You like to fight and you like to fuck, honey. You Ooh. like you like breakup to makeup, makeup to breakup, you know? Like you love that makeup sex. You like to spar with your partner. You're also attracted to like very athletic people. You're attracted to leaders. I mean, if you've got Mars on the seventh, honey, you like it spicy and maybe a little dramatic. Yeah, you want to move her in a shaker, you know, even if you're not one yourself. 
Well, and that's the thing about the Descendant is the planets you have there, you actually do contain. It's just that you maybe need somebody else to help you bring them out. Right. So this is like the healthy side of projection, you know, because remember, opposite signs are just two sides of the same coin. The one is contained within the other. So maybe you don't exhibit it, but it doesn't mean you don't contain it. And so when you see it in somebody else, especially somebody that you have a deep relationship with, maybe they inspire you or help you bring it out in in your own life. Yeah. It's like you're going to be put into partnerships that will ask you to be more of a leader, you know, to bring that out in yourself. Mars ruled signs are Aries and Scorpio. So you have Scorpio on the Descendant. I do. So I'm definitely attracted to like dark, moody, secretive, sexy, dark. Okay. All right. Secretive, sexy people. But you're attracted to my Mars and Aries that I have natally (laughs) in my first house, right? Like I'm very martial, not to be confused with Martian, which I was in a past life. (laughs) Sidebar, I had this really long text conversation with one of my very best friends who is a Gemini because I just, I love conversation. And she was sharing how she, she's a voiceover actress and she does a lot of, um, she's very successful. And she was doing like dubbing for like a Japanese documentary about people who like have seen aliens or been abducted by aliens. Apparently it's like a, a whole thing in Japan. I didn't realize they were as obsessed with aliens as we are. And so she was saying that she like had to do these fun dubs for like these people that like believed they were an alien or that like aliens were like protecting them. And she was like, isn't that crazy? And I was like, I don't know if it's that crazy because <laughs> yeah. I believe that I'm an alien and I believe that aliens are protecting me. And I was like, well, wait, let me backtrack. I believe I was an alien in a past life and that's why they're protecting me in this life. And she right, was like, they have all that information. Yeah, of course. But then we like went even further and we were talking about like, I mean, this is some like crazy Aquarius shit, but we were, she was like, okay, so you obviously believe in reincarnation. I was like, yeah, doesn't everyone? And then she was like, okay, but do you believe that like you can reincarnate across different timelines? And I was like, oh, I've never thought about that, right? Because if there's this idea that there are infinite versions of you in all these different dimensions living out these different timelines, but they're all fairly separate, like you can't really cross into different timelines. But I do believe that in this timeline, your past life might also be a future life because time isn't linear. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, So maybe I'm an alien in a future life, but I have that like soul memory of it that infuses itself into this life. But she was like, can you, can you cross into a different timeline? You should see angel. He is completely checked out. Maybe you have too. But for those three of you Aquarians that are following me here, this is what I've been thinking about recently, which is that it's probably pretty challenging to jump timelines from life to life. But I think you can do it in your dreams. I think in your dreams, you visit yourself in other timelines or in other dimensions. I believe that. Which is why it sometimes feels like in a dream, you kind of don't have control. You're just like following what's happening because you're just like an an interloper. You're like a visitor of yourself in a different timeline. But then my friend was saying like, well, it would be difficult to like reincarnate into a different timeline because it means that you would have to die at the same time. And I was thinking about that. But I don't think that you reincarnate as soon as you die. I think you spend some time just like hanging out. So maybe you do reincarnate into a different timeline because you're just waiting and then you like swap places. 
angel's face y'all <laughs> i should just like take a picture of it anyway thank you for coming to my aquarius <laughs> TED talk on past lives aliens and timelines and if you're interested i will be on the corner wearing a tinfoil hat later and we can have a congress about it look i find it fascinating this was a lot to download quickly <laughs> in a short amount of time uh, we had not discussed this prior. It's just good food for thought, you know? No, it is very good food for thought. I agree with it. And I certainly think that you can uh, cross timelines uh, when it comes to lives. I saw everything everywhere all at once. Oh, yeah. I know how it works. Exactly. Wasn't that a documentary? Yeah. So there you go. Yeah. So seventh place. Pa-dum, Jupiter. Pa-dum. All right, so Jupiter in the seventh house means lots of relationships. Yeah. Serial dater. (laughs) Also a lot of best friends. Like everyone's your best friend, you know? Yeah. It also means that like you grow through relationship and you like partners that challenge you to grow. Yeah. But it's a joyful partnership style. Yeah. And probably rich partners. Hey. To be honest with you. And you probably attract money. Yes, material girl. So if you have Sagittarius or Pisces, you are attracted to people that are seeking in some way. People that want to like move out into greater and greater realms. Right. Yeah. And that adventure maybe like finds you. Yeah, I like that. I also wonder if there's like something to like foreigners, right? Like you are interested in people from like different cultures, different backgrounds than you. Yeah. That actually reminds me that, um, again, one of the like classical understandings of the seventh place is living abroad. Oh, uh-huh. Like if you have a lot of planets in the seventh house or even if you have like important seventh house transits, that it can sometimes mean that like you are going to go live in a different country. Well, that's interesting. I know, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe by the time Jupiter gets to my seventh house, we'll like go live somewhere else for a while. Well, it's interesting because I was actually looking at um, transits earlier, like seventh house transits I've had just to kind of like wrap my head around like how it affects me. But uh, 2017, 2018 was when Jupiter was moving through my seventh house. And I spent a lot of those years living in different cities. Remember, I lived in New York for like three or four months. I lived in Toronto for like three or four months, all in that period of time. So that is interesting. I hadn't really connected that. Yeah. In that way. I also do think like Jupiter is sometimes like a like a daddy Warbucks character. And so you might find that like your ideal partner is somebody who is taking care of you, you know? Like you, you want somebody that definitely has that caretaking quality in a relationship. Whereas like if you got Mars in the first house, like Mars ain't going to take care of you. Mars is like, you're either in the car or you're not. Like, and well, I'm moving forward. Take care of you, but in a different kind oh, of well, way. Well, correct. Yes. Hit it from the back. So whereas Jupiter in the seventh house can indicate an ease with relationships, Saturn in the seventh house can indicate some challenges there. Like that's kind of your karmic work of your lifetime is to figure out how to partner with people, how to merge. And especially because Saturn is so concerned with boundaries and restriction and to some extent fear, you might find that relationship is kind of that place where you're you're struggling. But Saturn also means that things come to us later in life. So if you have Saturn in the seventh house, it doesn't mean that you're not going to be in relationship. It just sometimes means that like those deep intimate relationships come later as you age and mature in general. And I've said this before, like wherever you have Saturn gets better with time because Saturn is time. Yeah. 
but you ultimately feel like a responsibility in that area of your life. So you may just have people in your life who you have to caretake for, who feel like a responsibility, which doesn't necessarily always like feel like a joyful expression of partnership. Um, but sometimes... But it comes with real commitment. Yeah, it comes with real commitment. But I also would say that like if planets in your seventh house represent the people in your life, you might be attracted to like very structured, organized, disciplined individuals. Like right. you're attracted to a Saturn. Totally. A yeah. banker, a businessman. But interestingly, the two signs that Saturn rules couldn't be further apart, right? Capricorn and Aquarius. So like if you have Capricorn on the descendant, like you are attracted to that kind of traditional got their shit together sort of human. But if you have Aquarius on the descendant, honey, you love a weirdo. A rule breaker. You love a freak. And that's to help you channel your own inner idiosyncrasies and really express that authenticity out into the world. Totally. And then, of course, Uranus, who's, you know, the third co-host on this episode today. Wild and out. Yeah. So Uranus in the seventh means that you like your relationships to constantly be changing. That doesn't necessarily mean with people. It just means that, like, it needs to be fresh and exciting and invigorating you. Or they're just, like, a very different type of relationship than most would be... Uh, interested in or used to like you may actually be in a thruple or yeah. a quapple a quintuple a quintuple but also it begs the question like what if you have multiple planets in the seventh house and so that might sometimes indicate the chronology of relationship you know like maybe your first relationship is venus mm -hmm. and your second relationship is saturn and then your last relationship is uranus right. but maybe you find a way to integrate all of that into one person like you find one person that does exhibit all of those qualities or you stay in the relationship with saturn but you have an affair with the uranus or mm -hmm. that's just like where your friends are and you do like kooky things but then you come home to your like stable partner yeah so there's many ways to kind of make this make this recipe work. yeah but Uranus in there is just definitely like not doing it like uh, anyone else. And yeah, being attracted to those revolutionaries, those rule breakers, yeah. needing that energy in your partner. For sure. I mean, the idea of like polyamory comes to mind mm -hmm. for Uranus in the seventh, definitely. Yeah. But, but even if, you know, you can be like a more monogamous person and have Uranus in there it just means you probably are going to be with someone who maybe is from a very different background than you or is just going to challenge kind of how your larger community would perceive you in relationships totally so don't be afraid of you know what others would would perceive as quirks in the partners and in the relationships you have yeah or just like a resistance to Commit to a relationship in a way that cishet normative society would have you commit to a relationship. Like you have to live together. You have to be married. And you're like, no, like we can be together for 20 years and live in separate places and mm -hmm. still be, you know, connected in that way. You were saying that like really, really. No, I wasn't. Stop projecting. Solidly at me. Oh my goddess. Do you want to live in different places? It's fine. Just say it. I want to live it. in different places. Own it. I want to live in different places. <laughs> I want to live in the first place and I want you to live in the seventh place. Oh, okay. Well, this is the seventh place where we are currently. So no, thank that's you for helping true. me decorate it. Actually, 
both of our sons live in the same place. They live in the 12th place. Exactly. So We're what are you going to do? Yet, honey. We're gonna, that's no, going to be our honey. grand finale. The grand finale, fireworks and all. All right, let's bring this in for a landing. So <laughs> Neptune, which I have in the seventh house. So talk about it. Well, the way it always showed up for me was that initially I was a real, real... Um, Flake? No, I was real delusional. Oh. I was very delusional when it came to relationships. Your delusional era. I was in love with people who were not in love with me, but was convinced it would happen. I had like crushes that lasted years. Um, yeah, just a little scary. I was a little scary in relationships. But I also think that's a really great way to talk about Pisces on the <laughs> descendant too. Because <laughs> totally. Neptune is the contemporary ruler of Pisces. Yeah, no boundaries. Yeah. But also like delusional relationships uh, imaginary relationships totally and i definitely had my share of those but i was also like really emotionally and spiritually present for my partners um and needed people who are really like sensitive spiritual you know and i think that's kind of where once i like awoke to the delusion illusion i was then able to like focus much more on calling in like just the one more direct spiritual partners did you call in the one uh i tried i got close (laughs) (laughs) i got close i got like the i got like the three i got the three (laughs) so if you're out there one uh of course i got the one honey i was waiting for you i was going through all that foggy delusion to find my clear delusion in yeah. you. Yeah. That martial energy cut right through. But I also, <laughs> I have Neptune on the midheaven. So I do bring a fair amount of Neptune. Girl, wherever you seep I go. it through your pores. Um, you're delusional. But yeah, that was kind of my experience of Neptune in the Sabbath. Yeah, I like the real like spiritual partnership. That yeah. comes with that. And I think as I've grown older in my life, I'm much more interested in close friends, partners who share like a spiritual sensibility. Yes. And who can feel like real spiritual partners in this life. Yeah. Not just people who I like have a lot in common with. Totally. Or who will just like eat a weed gummy with you. Totally. Which is also very Neptune in the seventh. For sure. So like low vibe Neptune in the seventh can also be like enablers and like people that like will check out with you or that like you're attracted to people that are kind of like on another plane had many of those yeah but yeah and i think you know even just thinking of like sort of a neptunian thing is like filmmaking oh yeah and i am so many of your one-on-one relationships are around filmmaking with filmmaking or filmmakers or artists visual world builders musicians yeah like i'm very compelled to people who are living in that ethereal creative space too yeah. So you might be as well if you have Neptune in the seventh or Pisces on your descendant. Okay, and now Pluto. So I actually have Pluto in the seventh. Is that me? Sometimes. A heavy transformative darkness. Yeah, so I have Pluto in Scorpio, but my seventh <laughs> house includes it. I am not a darkness on your How dare so, you? No. But I think when you have Pluto in the seventh house, relationship is transformative. Like you get into relationships with people and you are not the same on the other side of them. I also think that Pluto, even more so than Saturn, 
is the planet of ultimate commitment. It's literally like till death do us part. And so if you have Pluto in the seventh, there is an intensity that you crave in your relationships. And because I have Libra that starts my seventh house, people are very easily glamored, but then it gets like very intense very quickly. I'll never forget. I gave a reading to somebody and at the end she was like, I've just never had someone make such eye contact with me before. And I was like, sorry, it's my Pluto in the seventh. But I think, you know, if you have Pluto in the seventh or if you have Scorpio ruling the seventh, you are interested in like really deep, really profound relationships. Like you don't want the surface shit. You want to talk about about the depth and the darkness because you find it beautiful and compelling. So, you know, we ain't here to fuck around, Angel and I, in our relationship. No, ma'am. We talk very deeply. We do. She's a she's a commitment queen. Yeah, I think she is. Yeah. And she's also not afraid of darkness and in some way she's attracted to it. Right, but first she's got to go through her thoughty era. Pluto does? Yeah. In the 7th Pl- house? Pluto's thoughty? Uh yeah. She's like having like a lot of like Yeah, I guess you're right. <laughs> I guess I also did that as well. Yeah, until you find the one correct. Or at least the six or the seven. <laughs> if you're out there, one through five. Well, it might have been your sixth or seventh the night we met. Rude. Incorrect. She's deep in that thought era. Okay. All right. I think you were, weren't you? Uh, you were just competed in an underwear contest, I believe. Yeah, that sounds about right. <laughs> I was in my mid-twenties. That's not a Pluto era. That's just what happens in your mid-twenties. Not for everyone. Well... They weren't as free <laughs> or whorish. So that so, is like a tour. The tour of the seventh place. We hope you enjoyed this episode. We are well over the halfway point now. Yes. And we are excited to continue this series. We hope you're finding it useful and just a way to deepen your relationship with your chart. Yes. All right. Now let's deepen our relationship with ourselves and get a message All right, everybody, here we go. Just take a moment, listen to the cards by connecting to the sound of them being shuffled and just trusting that this message will resonate no matter the future place or time to which you listen to this episode. So the message that we all need for this moment is... Oh, wow. It's the magic card reversed. Okay. Okay, so this is a bonus card in the deck that I use. It's the Oliver Hibbert Tarot, which I highly recommend. And so Oliver put a 79th card into the deck, and I keep it in there because I think that it's actually... Not that the tarot has any holes. It is perfect in and of itself. But I do think that this card kind of fills in a little bit of connective tissue. So it's called the magic card. And for me, it sits between the fool and the magician. So if you think about the fool as like all of like the raw potential, and then you think about the magician as having that refined magic to use, magic itself is the refinement process. It's the spooling of the thread so that you can then use it. 
magic gives us an awareness of what is possible within ourselves so that we can then externalize it into the world. So it is a card of like manifestation, but it's also a card of like seeing. There's something about like the magic of being alive. I shared recently in the cancer season meme dump, this really beautiful quote, and I'm going to paraphrase it now because I don't have my phone in front of me, but just like if you wrote down for yourself in a month, like all of the synchronicities, all of the like coincidences, you would realize that the invisible world is always communicating to you that we actually live a magical life and that it's just our like rational kind of monkey mind that tries to dampen that down. But the world is magic and you are magic. And so the magic card is an invitation to like be living magic in the world, to like be making wishes, to be reminded of your own power. Even if it's in ways that um, are not, I'm smiling to myself because there's been this purse on the real real that I've been like obsessed with in like a really unhealthy way. And last night I just said to myself, like, I really wish somebody would just fucking buy it. So that way I wouldn't like be obsessed with it. And then I woke up this morning and it was gone because somebody had bought it and I was so upset. But that was me exercising my own magic because we do get to like create our reality to some extent. So that's magic, but it came in upside down, which means that there is an untapped magic within us that we need to free. It means that we are some ways like disconnected from our magic um, spend the next couple of weeks or until we meet again seeing how you can free up your magical reserves because there is something really interesting about this time that we're living in with AI and technology and the machines and the computers and the metaverse that reminds us of like multiplicity of living that we're living in many dimensions at the same time that like magic is available to us that we're so much more than just this physical realm. And so just like have your eyes and your ears open. And the other side of that coin is that like nature is magic. Like if you haven't gotten out into nature recently and just like spent some time like watching the birds fly or the bunnies play, like you are disconnected from an essential part of yourself. So, or at the very least, just like, you know, listen to to magic, you know, by, by Kylie Minogue. Didn't she do that great cover that you listen to all the time? Who Kylie Minogue? Yeah. No, I wish. Oh. She has her own song called Magic. Oh, but it's not the Olivia Newton John. <laughs> no. So listen to either of them. Listen to them both. Yeah. But Belinda yeah. Carlisle's I Feel the Magic. That was my song when oh. I was a kid. And you know what? I'm gonna the card is <laughs> <laughs> Belinda Carlisle living her life in Mexico City. Um all right. I am gonna also post a photo of this card uh to the Instagram feed. So you can see it because it's really beautiful. It's you and you're naked and you're sitting lotus style in a crystal ball being held by these disembodied hands over a keyhole. And there is a, a star and a moon and a lamiscuit, which is like the figure eight on its side about eternity. And um, it's just, it's a really special card. So I'm glad we pulled it. And maybe something in cancer season can help you reconnect to your own ability to make magic in the world. I love that. It's a perfect season for it. I fell into a keyhole once when I was in my 20s. Are you talking about cocaine? No, key. K. Oh, ketamine. 
Um, Gross. Just kidding. Not kidding. You were there. If you were there, you remember. Um, Anyhow, thank you for that, babes. And yes, important for us all to be uh, reconnecting with our magic because you are magic. Um, And you are magic. Thank you for spending time with us. And honestly, thank you for spending some of you the last five years with us because this is essentially like our five year anniversary mark of this podcast crazy uh that we have been showing up for this <laughs> but that's that's someone with pluto in the seventh house and with the scorpio on the descendant we commit and we go all in and you we essentially are in some ways having a one-on-one relationship with you all because if you listen to this you are probably uh, listening to this on your own and just uh, in com- in communion with the two of us. So we are very, very grateful for you. We feel you. Yes. Grateful for your presence. Grateful for your connection. Thank you so much. Um, you can always find out everything about The Spiritual Gaze at thespiritualgaze.com. Uh, we definitely have been in like a bit of a transition space. You know, we haven't been entirely showing up for all of our like, you know, Instagram posts and things that we have been trying to do. We have definitely been plugging in for our monthly offerings. Um, But we are going to, you know, we're just, uh, in some ways, we're renegotiating the time that we spend. So we are just in that process, but we are here. And we're uh, queer and we're not going anywhere. (laughs) Happy Pride, everybody. Happy Pride to all the queers out there. Pride is a state of mind. It's not just a month of the year. So true that. Get out there. Be you. Be gay as fuck. (laughs) Unapologetically (laughs) queer. Yeah, man. That's what we need, babies. You've earned it. You haven't even earned it. You deserve it. It's your birthright. Exactly. You earned it by being born. uh, Being emerging. Until next time, this has been your transit through. The spiritual game.